0: I find myself quite excited by this passage, which frankly is odd, because um, uh, I, I suspect you too, when I first read this felt really very uncomfortable. Those woes that Jesus declares, um, I took those very personally. Uh, They, I think, are spoken to people like you and me. Jesus says, um, "'Woe to you who are rich, "'for you've already received your comfort. "'Woe to you who are well fed now, "'for you will go hungry.' Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how the fathers treated the false prophets." It's been my suspicion for a long time that um, there is something fundamentally missing within Western Christianity. Um, For all its strengths, for all of its um, uh, clarity and uh, power, for all of the impressiveness of some of our churches, Uh, I have a nagging suspicion that something in the discipleship that we call people to is just really wrong. And I think I've found myself talking about it a lot And my uh, great concerns about our individualism, our um, uh, 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 tolerance of the sort of sins which seem to be very serious in the Bible, like pride and greed and selfishness. The fact that those things uh, don't seem to sit all of that uncomfortably with our Christianity. But I feel like it's taken a long time to be able to really start to put a finger on what the problem is. And um, uh, perhaps this last week I felt that uh, I'm just beginning to grasp for myself um, what the crucial difference is between the way of Jesus and the way of modern Christianity. I'm really enjoying this series on Luke's Gospel. Once again, I say enjoying um, uh, that's despite the fact that it's often quite an uncomfortable ride, and I find myself feeling kind of out of my depth. I'm not preaching the sort of sermons that I'm used to preaching. I love the way that it's um, uh, really uh, dovetailed with the stuff that we were studying in Isaiah, and I feel that we're just starting to get to grips with what God is speaking to the church uh, right now. And uh, so these are really crucial and important words. Remember the fact that um, the reason we're looking at Luke's gospel in particular is because we want to hear. Uh, what his unique voice is, what his unique message is for the church. We've said before that um, we need to recognise that uh, uh, these Gospels aren't simply sort of journalists' accounts of a series of events, but that they're theological documents, that each of these four Gospels is written for a particular purpose. And um, we suggested that um, uh, Luke's particular purpose is all focused around his audience. Do you remember right at the beginning in Luke chapter 1 he addressed this gospel to uh, a man called Theophilus who he described as most excellent Theophilus and um, uh, we were uh, suggesting that uh, this wasn't simply intended to be an orderly account for a sort of rational audience but this was uh, a gospel aimed at the sort of people uh, who uh, Theophilus would have um, uh, been associated with, the sort of person that he was, um, a Greek educated, uh, wealthy, successful. And this is the side of Jesus that Luke wants people like Theophilus, and I think people like us, to see. Now this chapter of Luke um, uh, bears striking similarities to the Sermon on the Mount, and um, at first glance you might be um, uh, lured into thinking that it's the same thing. It's not, it's a, a, a different occasion if you look in um, verse 17 you'll see that uh, Jesus comes down uh, from a mountain this time he spent the night up there praying Uh, uh, he's been praying uh, about the apostles that he's appointing these 12 figures who bear a striking resemblance to um, the 12 tribes of Israel. What Jesus seems to be doing here is um, instituting a new uh, gospel community uh, to replace the old nation of Israel which was of course intended to be Um, a nation which uh, declared and reflected God's character. And uh, Jesus is starting over these 12 apostles. And he comes down from the mountain and um, uh, stands on a level place amongst the great crowd of people who have gathered around him. It's a very dramatic scene as Jesus walks onto this plain. He's surrounded by people, all the people who have been following him, uh, people wanting to come and hear him, it says in verse 19, um, and to be healed of their diseases. And uh, all the people were trying to touch him because power was coming out of them to heal these diseases. It is um, a very sort of diverse group of people, not just Israelites, but um, people from the surrounding nations. And uh, that's striking, that uh, this new kingdom is being formed um, of Jews and Gentiles. Uh, of um, uh, It's no, no longer an exclusive group of people but all are welcomed into this and he looks at his disciples both these apostles and um, uh, those from the crowd who were closest to him who were uh, trying to follow him and uh, he says these words blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh blessed are you when men hate you when they exclude you and insult you And reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how the fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now. For you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Now that is uncomfortable reading. It's just the sort of thing that um, we might be tempted to, uh, I don't know, file in the don't know quite what to do with that category. Certainly when I started preparing this, uh, I felt well out of my depth. Oh my goodness, what do we do with this? And um, there's always a a real danger at times like that that um, what we do is we kind of ignore it. We file it in the I don't know what to do with it category. But if you want any evidence that this is seriously important, uh, look at Jesus' words at the end of this sermon. In verse 46, he concludes uh, by some words which you're probably familiar with. Um, he tells the story of the, uh, uh, the wise man who built his house upon the rock and the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And, uh, of course, the rock was um, uh, Jesus' words. Uh, the foolish man was the one who didn't listen to what Jesus said and uh, his house, his life fell to pieces and uh, then Jesus says, verse 46 uh, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say this is serious we don't get to ignore this, because if we do, Jesus says why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I say you don't get to pretend that you um, uh, are my disciple if you ignore this There's a quote by a a guy called GK Chesterton, um, which uh, is uh, maybe quite familiar too, uh, but I think it's entirely uh, appropriate here. He says, um, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting, it has been found hard and not tried. That's clever, that's exactly the problem here. Confronted by something which looks really quite difficult, we don't even try it. But it's my contention that, um, uh, here, in this teaching of Jesus, this teaching which has gone largely ignored by the modern church, here is the sort of liberation that we are longing for. Do you remember that bit in uh, Luke 4 when Jesus went to his hometown in Nazareth and quoted those words from Isaiah 61 in front of the people, and he said, uh, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and uh, to uh, proclaim freedom for the prisoners." this year of jubilee concept um i think this teaching is part of that proclamation of freedom for prisoners and those prisoners aren't just people who are in jail um uh, they're all of those people who are oppressed by uh, the regime and the culture that they're part of and they include you and me likewise do you remember the time when jesus um, came up with those uh, words which are so attractive uh, when he said um, "I have come that they might have life and life in all its fullness just the sort of words that uh, we latch onto um, because that's what we're longing for well uh, it, it is once again my suspicion that that life in all its fullness um, is not what we think it is it is not the abundance of wealth and possessions and comfort but it's found in these words so Let's look carefully at them, shall we? What Jesus does in this phrase, in this um, uh, set of phrases, is lays down what is essentially a manifesto. It is um, a, a system of values and priorities that take precedent in this kingdom of God. What he's doing is instituting a new um, kingdom, a new uh, nation, a new uh, people. And right at the beginning, he lays a foundation of the things that will be important. And he uses two words, um, time after time. Those two words are um, blessed and then woe. And um, blessed has been translated in lots of different ways, um, very few of which actually do um, justice to it. Um, uh, it's sometimes translated as happy, and um, that's uh, not even close to suggesting The uh, richness of this word. But it doesn't not mean that. Um, uh, It's a word which uh, suggests fullness and wholeness, uh, perhaps peace. It uh, has got reference to that uh, um, uh, wonderful old Jewish word of shalom. And um, uh, blessed is uh, um, uh, being uh, uh, whole in yourself and before God. Woe, on the other hand, um, our first reaction is to uh, imagine that it's some kind of curse. Um, but uh, the phrase is not cursed are you if you are rich it is woe to you if you're rich what does woe mean? well actually we know this don't we woe means misery misery to to you if you're rich misery to you if you're well fed misery to you if you laugh now and misery to you when all men speak well of you now in order to simplify this I want to uh, uh, break this down into two sets of values Uh, uh, the first which Jesus says woe to and the second which Jesus said um, blessed to Um, he says uh, woe to you who are rich Uh, uh, rich is not just about money but of course it is at least part of that but it's about power and about status so the first thing is power the second is um, uh, comfort Uh, woe to you who are uh, well fed Um, the third is um, uh, success Uh, not so obvious here but um, uh, uh, the phrase woe to you who laugh now that word laugh isn't simply um, laughing at something that's funny Uh, it um, is uh, a sort of uh, laughing at someone, it's a gloating it's the people who've done well and uh, who win Um, so the third thing is uh, success and the fourth is recognition woe to you when all men speak well of you, power, comfort success and recognition and um, of course the thing that is striking about those is that they are uh, four of the values which take the highest priority within our world and our culture. The other set of values are um, uh, uh, the following. Um, the first is uh, those who are poor. Poor um, uh, is um, uh, a symbol of weakness, weakness. Um, uh, 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 Blessed are you who hunger now um, is a a sign of vulnerability, of not having everything you want, not having uh, comfort. Uh, The third is is grief, blessed are you, uh, you who weep now. And um, uh, fourth is um, uh, uh, blessed are you when men hate you and exclude you. uh, it's a a lack of reputation and um, uh, being excluded. And once again, strikingly so, those are four of the things that our culture teaches us to despise the most, to uh, imagine that they are some of the worst things that could happen to you in life. And what Jesus is saying is that in his kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, that um, value system is totally inverted from the way it is in the world. That um, uh, uh, weakness, vulnerability, grief, and uh, exclusion are the things which bring blessing. And uh, power, comfort, success, and recognition are the things that bring woe. And at first glance, this seems like it's just one of those sort of um, non-logical aspects of the kingdom of God. Uh, We just need to kind of believe this, take this on faith. But the more I think about it, the more I've been thinking about this, the more I realise that this is actually universally true. There's um, a quote uh, towards the end of one of my favourite books um, called East of Eden by uh, John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck was um, a fantastic author and um, uh, highly recommended Uh, but he was a man who uh, loved the simple things of life and had a wonderful uh, sense of respect for the ordinary uh, and particularly ordinary people. He was also deeply suspicious of um, uh, wealth and Uh, prosperity and uh, the damage that it did to people. And uh, he says this, he says, um, I have noticed that there is no dissatisfaction like that of the rich. Feed a man, clothe him, put him in a good home, and he will die of despair. Now, when I read that quote, I I loved it for some reason, but it um, really didn't make an awful lot of sense to me. And yet, actually, I think that um, if you look at our society, you realise that for all of its um, wealth and success and prosperity, actually people perhaps have never been more lonely um, and miserable, um, and that those old truism that money doesn't buy you happiness, well frankly, we don't actually believe them. What Jesus is saying is that those things which are most prized by our world are actually the things that bring us the most misery. And he who comes to proclaim uh, release for the prisoners actually wants to release us from the tyranny of those desires which uh, uh, seem to get closest to our heart. Have you ever stopped to think about how much of our struggle and our pain, uh, our tears, uh, and even our prayers gets caught up in our longings for all of the sort of things that we think um, are, are good? And we even think that God wants us to have. How much uh, pain is caused by us not being successful, not getting the things that we want, not being comfortable, and people not speaking well of us. Well, the truth might be that those things simply aren't good for us. And that um, uh, the fact that God doesn't give us those things that we want might not just because uh, he's being awkward, but might be because... Uh, He doesn't want us to get caught up in the sort of uh, uh, woe that is caused by uh, all of those things. Success, belongings, wealth, so close to our heart, and yet perhaps really not good for us. And when I think about the things which cause conflict in our world, which drive people apart, which divide them, which even cause uh, wars, Uh, All too often, it's rooted in these sort of things. It's rooted in a grasping for wealth, for power, for comfort, for significance. It's not to say that these things are bad in themselves, but I don't believe that they are neutral. And Jesus would certainly be very clear in saying that they're not good. I think all of these things are dangerous, dangerous and that we should treat them with suspicion. It's not that um, uh, power and money and reputation are always bad things and that we should always turn our back on them. But our uh, uh, real danger is that uh, we've so uh, valued them that we pursue them. Do you remember the thing that Jesus said about um, where your heart is? He said, uh, uh, look at where your treasure is because that'll be where your heart is. Look at the things that you desire most, because that is an indication of where your greatest priorities lie. And what about the other things? What about um, that list of things which, um, by the world's standards, are some of the most pitiable things? weakness, vulnerability, grief, and exclusion. How can they be seen to be good things? Well, once again, it strikes me that um, if Jesus' desire is for us to find life in all its fullness and not simply for us that sounds rather too individualistic but his intention here is to recreate a a community of of people who um, reflect the character of God and live life in uh, the way that he intended to as a witness to his uh, goodness. The truth is that the fullness of life as we all deep down know doesn't lie in um, uh, significance and power and uh, wealth and comfort, but actually lies in far simpler things. Um, it uh, uh, comes from genuine freedom, from uh, authentic, meaningful, rich relationships, and from an intimacy with our Heavenly Father. And um, those things are found far more in this list of values. In our weakness, in our vulnerability, in our grief, and in our exclusion, we actually find that um, we are much more able to uh, relate to one another and to relate to God. We are much more enabled to, um, to find that fullness of life. It's not that these things are good in themselves. Um, uh, Jesus is not saying that we should seek these things, but um, uh, we tend to do exactly the opposite. We run away from them and we even uh, um, uh, treat them with suspicion. Um, There's a tendency to uh, not know what to do with people when they're facing these sort of things. I think the reality is that um, when you're experiencing these things, you are far closer to the heart of God than you are at any other time. There will be mourning and weeping in the kingdom of God because um, uh, this world is full of pain and injustice and suffering. And we're not uh, saved from that thing. But the truth is that in the midst of these things, we find one another and we find God. We find that fullness of life which Jesus promises us. So I think we need to uh, do quite a bit of work on um, uh, trying to understand what this might look like in practice. And I want to sort of flag some things up here. But... um, uh, I think these are serious enough for us to be spending time um, uh, talking about. Um, because if we are to change our value system from that of the world to that of the kingdom, uh, it's going to take a lot of doing. But the first thing I want to reflect on is that um, what this looks like is um, that uh, we're no longer afraid or suspicious of these things. We're actually set free from that um, Uh, That pain of believing that uh, when things go wrong, when uh, I am not comfortable or successful or spoken well of, that um, uh, somehow I'm not being blessed by God. Jesus actually inverts that belief. He says, uh, when those things are happening, you are blessed, particularly when that's because of me. And when we're talking to people who are part of our community, who are going through those things, We don't need to treat them as if somehow they're unusual. Somehow there's something gone wrong. This is normality. This is this broken and painful world that we are part of. The flip side of that is I think we need to be suspicious when uh, we receive those uh, uh, things which Jesus says woe to. We need to be suspicious when money is not a problem for us. We need to be suspicious when life is comfortable. We need to be suspicious when people speak well of us or when our reputation or significance grows. The reason I say suspicious is because these things are dangerous and accepting them is risky. There's um, uh, an old uh, uh, John Wesley quote which says, um, whenever I get money, I um, try and get rid of it as quickly as I can because otherwise it will get too close to my heart. And um, uh, I think there's uh, uh, an amazing wisdom to that and one which is quite alien to us. It is not that Christians should never be rich or influential or uh, be spoken well of. Um, Those things can be for good. But the truth is that all too often they are dangerous. They will turn our hearts and uh, as Jesus says, they will cause us a great deal of woe, of um, uh, grief, and of pain. If you want to be free to uh, live this life in all its fullness in the kingdom of God, to uh, celebrate the freedom that Christ has uh, earned for you and brought you, then um, uh, be very, very careful of taking on uh, wealth, of being comfortable, of accepting uh, a good reputation. Or status. I don't know how you're feeling about all of this. Um, I've been wrestling with it for a week and um, find myself totally caught up in it. But um, uh, on the first time of hearing, this is, uh, this is strange stuff. Um, but I suppose my question is, do we believe this to be true? All too often when we ignore stuff, it's because we probably don't actually believe it. I think we need to believe this. Do we believe that power and comfort and success and recognition are not good things, that they are uh, dangerous? And do we believe that weakness, vulnerability, grief and exclusion actually are places of blessing? I think these things are true. I think they're not just true because Jesus says that they're true, although that should be plenty good enough reason. I think they're true because actually this is how it works in practice. I think the reality is that the fullness of life is never found in all of the things which we've been led to believe. And I think there is real freedom in no longer setting our hearts on them. Those of you who um, work uh, in sort of uh, jobs where you're motivated by reward, what would this look like? What would it look like if um, no longer could you be motivated by the promise of status or financial reward? What choices would you make if that was the case? I think that would be real liberation. The ability to make choices based on uh, what you believe to be right rather than based on your desires. And what about your sort of goals for life? What about the things that you dream of and pray for? What about if we actually believe that um, blessing and the fullness of life is found? in very different things? Would we make different choices about our lives? Would we make different choices about how we spend our time, invest our energy, the sort of people that we committed to being around? Jesus is instituting here a new kingdom, a new way to live. It isn't like anything that we've seen before, but it is deeply and profoundly true. And there is in this... Real life. So my hope is. That. um, Recognising this. Recognising this. Which I believe has been a real blind spot. For the western church. For many many years. Recognising this is the first step. Of us. uh, uh, Becoming. A community which finds that freedom. And fullness of life. In Christ. And actually gets to live out what it looks like to be a gospel community, a community filled with the goodness of God.